Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. The Portland-based Northwest Classical Theater Collaborative has a mission of bringing theater to underserved communities in non-traditional spaces, places like prisons or homeless shelters. Its latest show is no different. It is in Portland's scrappy, struggling Lloyd Center Mall in the space that used to be a Victoria's Secret. The play is Happy Days by Samuel Beckett, a one-act tour de force that is nearly a one-woman show. Portland actress Diane Condrat is that woman. She plays a character named Winnie, who is stuck waist high at first in a mound of sand. She alternates between boredom, anxiety, grief, and good cheer. The play came out in 1961, but has particular resonance in our pandemic age of social media and climate change-fueled fires. Diane Condrat joins us now along with Patrick Walsh. He directed the play, and he is the executive artistic director of The Collaborative. It's great to have both of you in the studio with me. Thank oh, you so much. Thanks for having us, Dave. Patrick, first, how did you come to put on this new production in an old Victoria's Secret? Yeah, I mean, you know, Northwest Classical Theater Collaborative's mission is kind of to make theater accessible and bring it to different audiences. Uh, Unfortunately, since the pandemic, we haven't really been able to fulfill that mission. So the board and myself, from the last uh, really year, we've decided, you know, in this time, everybody is really underserved. So how do we, especially in Portland proper, like, how are we able to bring art and bring people to this place? Uh, And, you know, and basically, I called the Lloyd Center, and they were super gay. like to be able to put this play on Uh, and then we just uh, we kind of just move forward and so the last year has been like producing it's been figuring it out it's been casting it's been rehearsing it's been doing tech rehearsals Uh, and we're just really lucky to be able to partner with the Lloyd Center on this as well so you called them and and they they were very excited I mean clearly they're they're doing all kinds of things to try to figure out what they are and and how they can not cease to exist what was it like the first time you walked into the closed store? You know, I got a tour of kind of all the spaces that were available. And when I went in the Victoria's Secret, you know, this big gust of wind kind of comes at you because nobody's been in there in a while. <laughs> and you just walk in and I was like, oh, God, this is perfect. Like, this what, is perfect. Why? What did you see that made you say that? So much space that we could use, like so many ways to make the themes of happy days make sense. You know, so much of what Winnie talks about in the play is that I'm being watched and also like what my worth is like as a woman, as a human being in this place. Uh, and what that means is you get older, too, as you like age out of a certain uh, of a certain archetype. Uh, and so just seeing that, thinking about all the people who used to use in this space, walking around, looking, watching. It was, I was just struck by it. I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect. This is going to be absolutely perfect. Diane, can you describe Happy Days for people who are not familiar with it? It's nonlinear. It's poetic. It's intensely emotional. Uh, The highs and lows of the amusement park ride that Winnie's on go very fast and you don't see the turns coming. So it's a real visceral experience 
for people. Opening night, there was a uh, there was a, a skating party in the mall, and some people who saw the show didn't even hear the music because they were so focused on Winnie and and the show. But it was you could hear it. It was a lot, but it didn't matter because they were. You try to figure it out, right, as an audience member. You're feeling all this stuff, but you're also wanting it to make sense. So you go on a real ride with a master writer. Hmm. I'm I, I'm totally intrigued by your saying that the audience is trying to figure it out uh, because they don't know what's going on. I, It's one of the things that I, I liked about it. There's no – at no point does Beckett – does he tell us why your character is stuck there. I mean, for example – it, this is not um, – we don't find out that this is punishment for something that she's done. She's just there, and she has to deal with it, and we as the audience have to deal with it. But you as a performer, do you – does it help you to to come up with some backstory, to think about why you're there? We talked about this in rehearsal. Those kinds of questions are so big that it almost doesn't serve. I do have understories for a lot of what happens to her and why she feels the way she does. But as far as history goes, who knows? Is she there for a month? Has she been there for a thousand years? Who knows? And Beckett, like you said, is not one to answer such questions. So those are the big sorts of ideas that none of us have answers for Mm -hmm. in the world, why things are the way they are. You know, why is some person plagued with disease and somebody else rich, rich, rich and ha- and happy and has nothing wrong? I don't know. Just that way. Um, as a, an audience member, it seems that one of the challenges for you as a performer here is just is threading the needle between humor and horror. I mean, and, and real horror being stuck uh, maybe forever. We don't know. How do you balance those th- those two poles? My favorite form of theater is dark comedy. And so I like that anyway, um, because when things are very, very dark, you better be able to laugh your head off, because if you can't, then you have to make another even darker choice. So for me, it just um, seems natural to turn on a dime like that emotionally. It's just that Winnie does it faster than me, and she's far more optimistic, as Patrick can, can attest, than I am as a person. So, you know, I've met people like this. It isn't me who, when faced with horrific situations, brightens up and carries everyone with them. And that's what Winnie's like, except she doesn't have a lot of people to carry, except for Willie. Does it feel authentic? I mean, that, I mean, is it, is it real good cheer, or is it, is it forced? It's necessary. Huh. It's necessary for her. And in that, yes, it's real, because she would feel it if it wasn't real, right? It wouldn't do the job for her. It wouldn't save her if her enthusiasm wasn't actual. Not to say she doesn't fall back down the mountain, but she's always, whoop, let's push that boulder out of the way and and put the put the picks in the wall and keep going because she has to. That's her job that Samuel Beckett has given her. I read in Oregon Arts Watch that you drew on your background in clown technique for this role. What is clown technique in in the classic theater sense, and and how did it help you? 
clown is a sacred art that I wish I could become um, cogent in before I die. Uh, I've taken some workshops with some masters, but my work in the past has been verbal. Um, clown work is a lot more physically based in a lot of situations. So since she's from the waist up only in the show uh, until things get worse, the timing of gestures and the imagery in gestures has been the biggest thing that I've relied on to illuminate the script. Also because Beckett very clearly has said uh, that he actually loves clowns and loves what they do. And of course, they illuminate a basis of humanity that goes beyond language. So you've got all this language from Beckett. And then I try to bring physicality and timing that can support that. So you have an even bigger picture of emotionality. It's not just talk. There are times like when when words fail, when he says, what do you do when words fail? You have to, you know, figure out some other way to be funny. Hmm. Patrick, um, how did you change the space um, to, to make it what you wanted? Well, I mean, just to start off with, we had like an excellent design team, like Molly Stowe on lights and Kira Bishop on a set and, and Jessica Cruz on costumes. So the ability, we basically closed off the entire thing and there's a, most of it is behind plastic sheeting. So when you walk in the front door, you're immediately, and there are like sounds that are coming from behind the sheeting. There's like lighting that's happening to kind of put the audience into a journey and like we're going to watch this play. We're taking you out of our world and we're moving towards something else, which leads to this uh, area in the back that we've curtained off with red curtains. And that is where Diane starts the play kind of buried up to her waist. So we've really transformed the entire space, but we're not trying to hide it's a Victoria's Secret at all. You know, I mean, it's part of that. We're saying that this woman was in this place and this earth kind of came up and grabbed her hmm. at some point. I should remind folks, uh, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about Happy Days. It's a Samuel Beckett play that's on right now at the former Victoria's Secret in Portland's Lloyd Center Mall. It runs Thursdays through Sundays through September 9th. Portland actress Diane Condrat is the star of the show. Patrick Walsh is the director. He's also the executive artistic director of the Northwest Classical Theater Collaborative. Patrick, sometimes an audience member has to stretch a little bit to find contemporary resonances with older works of art of, of various kinds. With this play, you don't have to work at all. It's it's painfully inescapable, the, the resonances. Climate change is one of the reasons. We could talk about others. In, in one scene, Diane's character, she's stuck in this hellscape that um, is getting unbearably hot. And all she has to to withstand this this sun perhaps is a is a measly umbrella what were you going for in that scene in particular you know i mean i just think the existential dread that we're all going through right now particularly in a string of 107 degree days that we have to deal with uh you know it's not so much that scene is so much about her not being able to let go her not being able to like move forward this idea of stasis but also the idea that we can't that that all of us 
all the time are facing like, what are we going to do about this heat? What are we going to do about these problems? What are we going to do about homelessness on our streets? And that you can feel really frozen and stuck. Uh, and so as we were moving through, that was something that we talked about all the time. You know, we I think we all feel so trapped, so isolated, like in an age of climate change and in the time of COVID. And just we were trying to bring out that existential ennui for the whole audience. Yeah. And Diane, I mean, one of the biggest themes that your character um, is grappling with or or painful emotions is just, is anybody listening? Can anybody hear me? At one point, there's another, the other character is this husband character who um, talks a little bit, grunts sometimes, <laughs> makes various bodily noises. Um, and all your character wants is some acknowledgement often that, that he's there. I mean, literally, can he, will he just move his little finger um, it's like kind of like it's like a like button. Is anybody hearing me? I'm screaming into the void. What is it like to to be a performer who's asking, "Can you hear me?" Playing well, playing Winnie is a wonderful gift, and there are times. Um, our tickets are $10, and so there are people who have bought tickets. I, I talked to somebody the other day who said, I love this because it's in the mall. No idea about the show. No idea, you know, for some people about um, theater etiquette, we'll call it. So I do see things. I hear things from the audience, <laughs> and sometimes I hear nothing. Beckett is mystifying. And in those moments when there is nothing then her plight comes completely into my heart. Because hearing nothing is different from hearing an engaged audience that's being quiet? Yes. Huh. Yes. And, and particularly in this space, one of the things, we're in like a little keyhole in the rectangle of Victoria's Secret. So the acoustics in this space are fabulous. You not only have the potential to echo through this big rectangular space, but you can almost be as if you're on the radio in this space. You can be really quiet. Hmm. So I have both things, and when no one's listening, as she says uh, in, the, in the second act, that is what I find so wonderful, eyes on my eyes. There's nothing to replace the connection between human beings in the real world. And that's why theater still exists in spite of movies, in spite of the Internet, in spite of everything else. We learn as human beings by story and by shared emotional experience. So it's really fabulous to have an audience, and it's horrifying to have none, to feel the emptiness which certainly was my situation at the end of rehearsals when we'd done all our work. And it was like, okay, we're ready for somebody to come. And it's like, nope, nobody's here. Um, it's, um, it's illuminating, I'll say. Patrick, my understanding is that you were working in theater in New York City when you came out to direct your first production for Northwest Classical Theater Collaborative. What was that experience like for you? Uh, you know, I mean, I've stayed, so it was great. <laughs> you know, it was a disaster. No, I never mean, came I, back. Yeah, I mean, I love it here. I love it here. You know, I love it here. I love the audiences. I love the people. I love the fact that every other place that I've ever been to before, like the first word you always hear is no 
from somebody if they don't want to do something, right? Like if I called a mall in New York, they would just tell me to go away. Um, but it's like, here, I called the Lloyds and they're like, that sounds great. We would love to help you with that. Like, and everybody is like that here. You know, as long as you bring them an idea, people are like so willing and kind to help and they're so game for anything. Um, so my first experience coming out here almost nine years ago now was just absolutely fantastic. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be here and be part of this community, even while we're all kind of dealing with all these things that are happening around us all the time. What have your experiences been like in mounting productions in prisons in Oregon uh, well, I have two experience. You know, one is that we tour shows, and I'm also kind of a long-term volunteer with the Department of Corrections. So I've directed adults in custody in in three plays up at Two Rivers Correctional in in Umatilla. So um, adults in custody, both as audience members and as actors. Yes, sir. Hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, do, do any stories stand out from from both of those different versions of making theater? Uh, you know, I think just in natural, like when you're making theater in a traditional space, it is, uh, you know, you ask all the time, like, is anything that I'm doing a lot like Winnie, like you're screaming into the void, like is the way that I naturally participate in the world affecting anybody? Uh, and the thing that I will say is that before I started doing this sort of work in non-traditional spaces, Every, I would say I had one moment ever of being in a rehearsal room or seeing a show of like what I would just call true transcendence. And like, you don't know me very well, Dave, but I never use that word. <laughs> um, and when I would go up to Two Rivers or when I would do these shows in prisons or shelters, there would be two or three of those moments every single time, hmm. you know? Why? I think, well, I mean, what, what, why was it hitting people differently and why were you picking that up? I think mostly because what I have learned is that the people who benefit the most from the arts traditionally have the least access to it. Um, and, you know, the way that people like bury or, or burrow into their lives, like to find resonance. Like, I think when when we live in a large urban center, like we take it for granted that we can go to the museum, we can go to Portland Center Stage, you know, we can see shows if we want to. For so many of our audiences, they had never seen a play before. They'd never seen a play. They'd never been to a museum. They'd never heard a musical instrument outside of like maybe an acoustic guitar. Um and so being in that room, being in those rooms and being able to facilitate that growth through like artistic engagement and connection is something I've never had in it, like in a, in a traditional theatrical space. It sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is, is maybe first time audience members. What about first time actors? Oh yeah. I mean, you can't, I mean, you know, we did Hamlet up at two rivers and I had a guy, we split up Hamlet into seven different roles. And there was one guy who was Hamlet and, and he, and he was illiterate. I mean, he could not read. He had never learned to read. He was a 40 year old man. And by the end of it, he had memorized everything perfectly. And I mean, he delivered theatrical language like that. Like he was born to it, hmm. you know? And it's, I still get goosebumps when I'm talking about it now. You know, it's like those moments of transcendence, those memories that I have. Because now when people ask me, like, are the arts important? I can give them concrete, I can give them 100 concrete examples. Hmm. Diane, what's going through your, we have just have a minute left, but what's going through your mind in the 30 seconds before the curtain opens when you know you have 90 minutes where it's you, you are the show? 
I can't tell you my trigger. It's a secret. Huh. But it is a um, an imaginary circumstance that fuels her emotional life in the first moment. So I spend that time preparing to be fully present emotionally when the bell rings and the lights come up. But I can't words, tell you because oh, it could, I didn't even realize it was a, it was a secret. But you you are you are in her head already, and in a way that helps propel you as her for the next 90 minutes. I'm using I'm I'm playing around with the nerve I have for the whole first act. I must I need I have to. I can't tell you what it is. Okay. But, but it's it's an overarching emotional um, motivation. Well, it, so. it worked, whatever it was. Yeah. I will not ask you what it oh, was. Yeah. Diane Condrat and Patrick Walsh, thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. Diane Condrat is the Portland actor who plays Winnie in Happy Days. It's on right now at the old Victoria's Secret in the still alive Lloyd Center Mall. Patrick Walsh is the executive artistic director of the Northwest Classical Theater Collaborative. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We will be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by... Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. Mm-hmm.